Hi, everyone. This is the second episode of Motion Picture Matchmaker. I'm so excited for you all to listen, and thank you for being such supportive listeners. Let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode two of Motion Picture Matchmaker. I'm so excited. Today we have a relatively special guest. Um, and we are talking about two movies that, spoiler alert, I am very excited about. So to start us off, let's introduce our guest. This is a friend of the podcast, a day one supporter, um, and an, a former roommate of mine, I guess I'll, <laughs> I'll explain her that way. Um, Susie, please introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, Bella, thank you for having me. No problem. Like Bella said, um, my name is Susie, and I was Bella's roommate at Drew. I just graduated with a major in political science. Mm-hmm. Fun fact is I'm a Pisces, so my birthday is coming up. Oh. Happy early birthday to me. I guess. Happy birthday. <laughs> I mean, February is kind of the best month because it is Valentine's month, which is mm-hmm. my favorite holiday. It is Black History Month. Yes. Period. <laughs> and it is your birthday month. That's in the order. Mm-hmm. Actually, oh, Black no. History Month should be first. <laughs> Black History Month is first. Then Valentine's. Yeah. And then, and then your I mean, birthday. I just get a birthday weekend. Yeah. That's all, you, that's all you're going to get. So... Let me ask you a question. Yeah. So to get the listeners like into you, who are you? Do you like movies? I do like movies. Okay. I wouldn't say I'm a I'm a film buff. Okay. Not like you. I'm not really. I mean, I don't have a letterbox. I think everyone if you don't know what a letterbox is for all the listeners, it's this really great app where you can log your movies and it's kind of like a social media for movies, which you can follow me on there. Um, also, we have an Instagram, so yeah, I'll, I'll link that in the episode bio. Give it a follow. Give it a follow. So, I don't know if you you know, but today we're talking about May, December, and Priscilla. I do know that. Okay, so how this episode is going to work is first we're going to talk about May. Actually, I lied. I want to talk about Priscilla first. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about Priscilla, and then we're going to talk about May, December, and then we're going to talk about both of these movies. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, and so the people know we got a late start because I'm still learning. That's what I want to be the the essence of this episode. I am still learning every day. And guys, give me some grace. I've never been on a <laughs> podcast before. That's true. So we're going to jump right in. I'm going to start. I'm going to explain Priscilla a little bit. Um, so let's go. <clears throat> So, when teenage Priscilla Bulow, Kaylee Spaney, meets Elvis Presley, Jacob Lordy, at a party, the man who is already a meteor... Meteor... What? A what? Who is already a meteoroc... Meteoric. Oh, I had... I thought you were trying to say meteorologist. No. (laughs) Elvis is not a meteorologist. Oh, jeez. The man who is already a rock and roll superstar becomes someone entirely unexpected in private moments. A thrilling crush, an ally in loneliness, a vulnerable best friend. Through Priscilla's eyes, Sofia Coppola tells the unseen side of a great American myth in Elvis and Priscilla's long courtship and turbulent marriage. 
from a German army base to his dream world estate at Graceland. And this deeply felt and ravishingly detailed portrait of love, fantasy, and fame. That sounds pretty good. Mm. So if you didn't know, Priscilla is actually based on the book Elvis and Me, written by Priscilla Presley and Sandra Harmon. This movie was directed by Sofia Coppola, and it was written by Sofia Coppola, Priscilla Presley, and Sandra Harmon. So with that, let's get into the discussion. What are your first, just general, what did you think of Priscilla? I really liked it. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Well, I didn't have many expectations going into the film. I knew that Bella really liked the movie, and she kind of wanted me to watch it, so I gave it a go. Um, With that being said, I really have no background on Elvis or Priscilla, so a lot of this was new to me, um, and I really enjoyed it. I would recommend it. Great. I feel exactly the same. (laughs) I loved it. I don't have much background on Elvis either. The only Elvis song that I really like is um, Blue Christmas. Oh, that's a good one. I really like that song. Um, Beyond that, I hate Elvis. (laughs) (laughs) And have you seen the Elvis movie, the the one with Austin Butler that came out last, last year? I have not, but I know people really, really liked it. Yeah, some people. Some people liked not it. All. <laughs> I didn't like that movie um as an Elvis hater, but I I really really enjoyed this movie. So I want to throw it to you and allow you is there anything in the movie that you'd like to bring up and talk about? Sure. Um well, number 1, I didn't realize there was an age gap between oh. Priscilla and Elvis. Like I'm telling you I really knew oh, yeah. nothing going in and just the way um, Kaylee, I believe is yes. her name, wow, the way she portrayed Priscilla throughout the years, it was it was amazing to watch, and I really enjoyed her acting. Yeah, I think that Kaylee um, was just, just did it, it's a role that doesn't, she doesn't actually speak that much when you think mm. about it. She's not, you know, doing long, drawn-out monologues or anything, but it is very powerful, I think. You really feel this journey from a 14-year-old girl. When mm-hmm. Elvis and her meet, she is 14. Um, and by the time the movie ends, she's she's an adult woman, but not that old either. You feel that youth in her, the innocence. Mm-hmm. And also, you feel the sadness and loneliness because she's a little girl in this huge Graceland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. And I love the... You know, the costume design, the hair, the makeup, and oh, how it was so, again, like you're saying, she was innocent, how that was so, so clear in the beginning with her, you know, mousy brown hair, and her eyes are really accentuated with that, even though Elvis is like, no, you need heavy makeup and mm-hmm. darker hair, and you could see the evolution of that, of her losing herself and her independence, even when she's a child. Exactly. I think that is what is so strong about the movie is there's a real story in the makeup, in the hair Mm. that shows that, as you're saying, that change. In the movie, there's a point in which, there's actually many points in which Elvis suggests how she should dress, what she should wear, how her eyeliner should look. She dyes her hair black for him. And then you get that iconic Priscilla look, Mm -hmm. which, to Elvis's point, honestly, it was a good look. I mean... It was wrong because it was taking away her autonomy, but 
he had some fashion sense because that look <laughs> is so iconic. I mean, the big, poofy, black hair, the thick eyeliner, the mm-hmm. long lashes. It, it's iconic, but it's not really Priscilla. She no. had her own thoughts about, you know, what she wanted to wear. That's so true. So moving on from hair and makeup, one quick thing I want to say that I also just loved, and it, a lot of it is that Sofia Coppola aesthetic, which I haven't watched any of her other films, but the aesthetic of the film is also very soft almost, mm. especially in the beginning. It's very pink. It's very, you feel like you're in this teenage girl's world, mm-hmm. I think. Um, the carpet at Graceland is like this fuzzy, mm. soft pink, and it feels all very like, tactile so did you have any thoughts on like just the overall set Mm. I liked it I really felt like I was transported into the 50s 60s and 70s and there was a clear differentiation between the eras Mm. and I loved how I could feel that um yeah yeah no that was a perfect thought (laughs) I I just think it looked so beautiful but it, it really is at its core like this sad movie um because there is no way to look at a 14 year old and i think he was about 24 yeah and see that as a relationship because it's really not um and a lot of the movie spends time on the elvis priscilla relationship but it also interestingly brings up kind of priscilla and her family Mm. who in the beginning of the movie she's there in germany on like a u.s base because elvis was at war And her family is very resistant to her and Elvis being together at first. And then they just kind of let her go live with him as a child. I don't understand that. I mean, the first time when they give permission for her to go to the party, it's like, well, we've already dragged her here to Germany. Let's let her have some fun. And then they continue to let it happen. Well, you know what? I mean, they are to blame. But the guy who's in charge of the music venues, why did he even approach Priscilla when he knew that she was a child? Well, obviously, we know why. We know why. <laughs> yeah. But he he clearly knew what he was doing. Yeah, there is something intentional there. And I mean, I think it is because partially I think Kaylee portrays this so well. Clearly, Priscilla had some sort of aura about her that was, you know, not like different. other girls. Different. She was very soft-spoken, mm. always very polite and and there's this whole kind of i guess lore with elvis tied to her virginity and her purity um and she kind of embodies that Mm. and so i mean i think that's why they were so connected um speaking about connection something that i thought was interesting as an elvis hater um (laughs) was i actually think this movie did a better job than the previous elvis movie and making a more well-rounded Elvis, a more human Elvis. Because the whole point is, you know, Elvis is this god, this, like, mm-hmm. spectacle of a human. And this we saw more so the intimate life of Elvis. Um, and I think Jacob Elordi did a great job portraying him because I was always like, I hate you so much. You're so evil and manipulating. But you also see that he... He's charming. He's very charming. So you understand. I think the whole time I was like, I understand Priscilla. If I was a 14 year old girl, of like, course you'd on. be charmed. Yeah. I mean, you have the biggest celebrity in the world paying attention to you and also like seeming genuinely interested in 
just a normal average girl. And I also think we saw him kind of struggle with, you, you felt, or I'll say I, an I statement. I felt sympathy for Elvis at times. You could tell that, you know, it was a tough position to be in. He was very temper- temperamental. Mm-hmm. Or there's this whole scene where he gets convinced to be part of this, like, religious <laughs> movement. <laughs> He's I guess susceptible. That has to be factual, but I had no idea. Yeah. It was very random. <laughs> Super random. And I think it just showed that Elvis was susceptible to authority figures manipulating him and mm-hmm. then in turn kind of manipulates intentionally and unintentionally Priscilla and controls her completely. Absolutely. I think the manipulation, it just becomes clearer as you go throughout the movie. And it's not just through words, and then it becomes very physical. Yeah. Where there's the threat of violence. Yeah. There's He throws a chair mm-hmm. at her, right? And he yells at her quite a bit. And he throws the chair in front of other people, too. It's not just in private. Yeah. It's really... It's a really sad moment and scary moment to watch. And I think after that moment, I think you start to see, like, this strength in Priscilla starts Mm. to build, um, which Kaylee once again plays beautifully. And you see her becoming stronger. I do think the ending is kind of, not that abrupt, but the end, I think the script was starting to, I don't know how I felt about the end, like, the whole last third chunk felt rushed almost compared to like how much time we spent in the Mm. beginning and now like we were kind of breezing through priscilla becoming her own woman which is right super interesting you know she joins this karate thing she gets a new man (laughs) well yeah that's really where how we start to see it herself outside of elvis and graceland Mm -hmm. and she kind of she seems to have friends it's not quite clear if they're through Elvis or not. I'm sure they are, but she seems to kind of be getting along with a group of women. Which is beautiful. I almost wish I saw more of that, like girlhood, sisterhood. And they also lightly, you know, include Lisa Marie Presley, who is their daughter, right? Who is she? Well, she passed away. Sorry, no, no, no. (laughs) I was thinking that she was in the movie, but you mean her as a child. Yeah, her as a baby. And I thought that was an interesting... I mean, I I know just from reading, like, about them, there's, you know, it's not a perfect... Yeah, there's tension there. And ultimately, Lisa did pass away. Um, But I almost feel there is that undertone of tension, not with a baby, but, like, there is a struggle with Priscilla with motherhood, probably because she was, like, a teenager, 20-year-old left on her own. Well, she goes up to Elvis, and she's not excited about this pregnancy. She's very hesitant. He's the excited one. For I don't think he actually wants a child, but the idea that he has a child in a family makes his image look good. Yeah, it's very interesting that I don't think either of them really wanted a child. And and once she had a child, Elvis was completely uninterested in her from a sexual standpoint, mm-hmm. um, which is just very sad. It isolated her more. So the last thing we should talk about before we move on is unless it, well unless you have something else you want to bring up. I just wanted to ask you, in terms of, like, the Elvis movie, so it's very interesting. We have a movie with one title word, Elvis, and then we have one about his counterpart, Priscilla, and I guess, have you done any research into 
you know, why Priscilla came out when it did? Was it in response to Elvis? Mm -hmm. Or these movies are both being planned at the same time, and it's kind of this... I mean, nothing is a coincidence, but it's just the way it flowed. That is so interesting. I didn't really look much into that. I know that the Elvis movie was being filmed like during covid like it took years Mm. um and so i don't think that was the original timeline in which it was supposed to come out um priscilla on the other hand i i mean i think it's a smart time regardless of if it's trying to say something it's a smart time because it's bringing elvis back into people's minds right um it's a good question something to think about and I mean, I think having watched the Elvis 2022 movie definitely impacted my thoughts about Priscilla Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Um, So whether they wanted them to have something in common, they did. Um, And they're told very differently. One is by a male director, one's by a female director. And you can almost feel that difference, I think. Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. If any listeners have any knowledge insider hollywood knowledge <laughs> i know that sofia coppola struggled with making this movie that she did not have enough money to make it she wanted to do it all on um film i guess but she couldn't um wow. just didn't have the budget she was trying to sell like it's like dates with jacob Elordi to make more money <laughs> like genuinely like they just didn't have the budget or the time it was a short very condensed filming time um which is pretty sad if one of our most well-known female directors cannot get the budget yeah. necessary to make the film. Someone well-connected. Yeah, someone who's well-connected. It's really sad that that was a struggle. Um, the last kind of moment in Priscilla that I really loved was when Priscilla drives out of Graceland and Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You plays. Yes. Wow. Why did that hit me? So I, I also just think it's Dolly Parton's voice singing I Will Always Love You was like, chills no i like that moment too it was just it was beautiful i think overall we both like this movie i did i really enjoyed it (laughs) thumbs up so that was the easy one because (laughs) this next movie i think we may have differing thoughts about it (laughs) there's a lot to say which is why i put it after priscilla um so let me read a little bit about this movie so the next one is may december Mm. Um, 20 years after their notorious tabloid romance gripped the nation, a married couple buckles under pressure when an actress arrives to do research for a film about their past. This movie was directed by Todd Haynes. It was written by Sammy Birch and Alex Mechenik. I couldn't find his name pronunciation, so I hope that's correct. Um, and it is starring Natalie Portman, who plays Elizabeth, Julianne Moore, who plays Gracie, and Charles Melton, who plays Joe. And we'll get, we'll get into the, the origins of this movie. But let's just start with, Susie, what were your general thoughts about May, December? Okay, let me set the scene mm. for how I watched it. Okay, please, please. Okay, I had, I had heard about the film through looking at the, Mon- <laughs> looking at the Montclair Film Festival lineup. Okay, but I just, like, read the title. I didn't think anything of it. Okay, but I happened to open up Netflix on the day it was released, and it just looked very interesting. I didn't watch the trailer. I just read the little blurb, but little did I know what I was getting myself into. Um, 
I, it was a little strange for me, the movie. I don't think I enjoyed it. Well, I definitely didn't enjoy it as much as Priscilla. It, yeah, I'm just going to say that for right now. Okay, that's totally valid. You know, that's your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but but when we do get into specific things, yeah. I I think I enjoy it more now after talking about it a little bit more with you and other mm. people. But having, you know, if I just watch the film and then kind of shut it off my mind, I don't think it's, you know, I it, it would have just been like a, a movie. Yeah. No, that's so fair. Can I ask so what was what kind of caused that initial disconnection for you with the movie? Was it... I, I, I guess I won't even... Uh, just let me know. <laughs> well, I think I was thinking, why now? And this is something mm. that we've discussed briefly. I didn't understand why is this film so important for right now. And it didn't... To me, it didn't feel like a unique story. Mm. Which, that's that is a kind of a controversial take. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not a unique story because even though it says that it's loosely based on this actual story, it's almost not loosely based, and I would say it is strongly based. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I think it was a little... It felt a little slow, like the pacing. Mm. But that's just my... Those are, I guess, the negatives of it. But I did find some things I really enjoyed in the mm. movie, in particular Charles Melton... His yeah. acting was superb. And oh. and the character, I mean, you know, he really brought that emotional connection. We could really feel for Joe. Yes. It is, Charles Melton's performance in this movie is still, to this day, I haven't seen absolutely every movie, but it is still my favorite performance of, of that year. Wow. Like, genuinely. I, I, out of everything I've seen. For some reason, it stuck with me more than any other performance. Just saying something. I've seen some really great yeah. performances this year. But I think it was so surprising. It was subtle. It was, if you don't know his character, also to explain, he is married to Julianne Moore's character. They met while working at a pet store. She was an adult woman and he was a child. I believe she was 36. 36, like an adult, adult woman. And he was a kid, maybe like 12 or 14 in the movie. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, it became this big tabloid thing. Um, she was arrested. She was pregnant with his child. And he goes on now that we're in the future. He is an adult. He's in his th about the same age that she was yes. when they met. Um, and they have three kids or she has a kid from a previous marriage and they have other kids. Um, and these kids are now graduating high school. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is kind of like this pivotal, you know, moment in which all the kids are going to be leaving the home. It will be just the two of them. And then you have this actress, Nellie Portman, who's going to portray Julian Moore's character coming in and trying to dig back up the past a little mm. bit. That they seem to completely ignore in yeah. their day-to-day -day lives. And so does the town. Yeah, everyone just pretends and kind of lives in this illusion world that Gracie, Julianne Moore, lives in. Where she just bakes cakes yeah. and sends them to people. And people don't even want these cakes. They just they, they just take her. them. They pity her. Which, I don't know, I wouldn't personally pity a... Um, 
predator. <laughs> um, but she has, it's very intentional, and this is, you know, part of Julianne Moore's performance, this lisp, <laughs> which yes. everyone talks about. Um, the lisp is very popular on, on Twitter. She has this, like, soft blonde hair, this, like, almost, like, archaic housewife look that nobody even mm. wears anymore. Um, she looks like this really just sweet, you know, 56-year-old white woman. Yeah, you know, like, when parents say, oh, if you get lost, like, find another mother. Like, oh, yeah. she fits that stereotype. Exactly. And and it's very, I think the movie kind of points to that she's not naive at no. all. And I think that, that said, I think she says it in the movie even maybe when she talks to Sally. Like, she's not naive. She knows what she did was wrong. And she yeah. knows that she's not really who she puts out there. No, and then she kind of has her existential moment towards the end of the film, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, go on, go on. No, I mean, I guess that's also at the same point that Joe is also questioning his his stance. I don't want to say stance, mm. but his half of the relationship. Yeah. And he's realizing now that as his kids, which is crazy to say, yeah. are graduating from high school, he has really been stunted in his maturity because of his predator wife. Yeah. it's And you feel that, this is part of Charles Melton's performance, you feel it physically. Yes. This is a grown man, but also a little boy. Like, you, he's awkward in his own body. Yeah. He feels like emotionally stunted whenever he talks to anyone. And I think two powerful moments that come up for me with him. One is when he's talking to his dad. Oh, And they're, yeah. like, smoking cigarettes. And I just thought it was... You see him going through a lot in his mind. Um, he's not someone of many words. And another really powerful moment is on the roof with his son. And they're smoking weed. Yeah. And it's this moment that, like... It's actually just a great thing he's he's asking his son, like, am I traumatizing you or mm. am I letting you get to know me? And it's just like, it's heartbreaking to see a kid, you know, teaching his dad kind of how to be a youth, like smoking weed yes. and sitting on the roof. The father-son relationship, it's a complete reversal. Yeah. You can tell these kids, like, take care of their dad in a way because... And and he does, too. You can tell this. He loves... If there's anything that's fully clear in this movie, he loves these kids and yes. wants the absolute best for them. It's very clear. Julianne Moore is the mom, uh, <laughs> has very tense relationships with all of her kids. Yeah. <laughs> She's just a nasty woman, honestly. Like, just straight up. Um, we should get into Natalie Portman as the actress. Okay. Because I think there's one thing to be said about this movie about these May-December age gap romances. And then there's something else in this movie about the exploitative nature of these kind of biopic films where you're messing with people's real lives and putting them out there. Yeah. Well, I... Natalie Portman, her character... What's her name again? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. She really crosses that boundary and becomes Gracie, you know, throughout the movie. And, uh, yeah, is that that a line that was crossed from 
I don't know, fr- like she's intruding in this family that's already a little bit unstable but pretends to be stable. Yeah. And actually, I, I, I'm kind of glad that this was made. Well, mm-hmm. well, this isn't part of the actual, the, the factual story. Yeah. But because of Natalie Portman's character, the family system is disrupted and Joe is kind of able to, to think a little bit deeper about his mm-hmm. situation. Cause I think that if, if Elizabeth hadn't come in to do this story, I think the status quo would have, that would have been it for, for Joe. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think in some ways it was positive because it required reflection from everybody. Mm. It was negative because it was disruptive. And she also, she becomes so like Gracie that she even takes advantage of Joe and has a sexual encounter with him um, in which she clearly looks down on him. Um, and it still feels, even though he's an adult man and it's quote unquote consensual, it still feels like that power imbalance. Mm-hmm. She's taking advantage of his innocence. Yeah. It's very sad. And, I mean, in the end, which I don't know how you, if this added to whether you liked it or not, we see her rehearsing the movie that she's in. And it looks terrible. It looks like a <laughs> Lifetime movie of, you know, you think, oh, she's coming to do this, like, really sincere human portrayal of this awful woman. And then you see it's just this, like, silly, exploitative... Kind of camp. <laughs> yeah, this campy film that she does just girl i think i i actually enjoyed that (laughs) (laughs) as the ending yeah and she also has this i i was just i honestly i was kind of chuckling this was i guess this is more of a black comedy it's not well yeah that's another discussion pieces it got nominated for some earlier award season things under comedy which which is is not a comedy (laughs) it's not a comedy at all no, but the the only part that really made me chuckle though was that last scene where the she keeps repositioning the snake. Yeah, yeah. It's this like overly sensual portrayal of honestly a. I mean, I think it would be categorized as rape. It's this like mm. unconsensual or non-consensual sex scene. Um, okay, one last thing. Unless you have something else. No, I, no, go um, for it. With May, December, this was a major discussion on Twitter, and you brought up the word camp, which triggered this. Okay. So a lot of people were like, this movie is camp. And a lot of other people were like, it's not, it's melodrama. So I have the definitions in case okay. you need a refresher. Melodrama, for those who don't know. A modern melodrama is a dramatic work in which the plot, typically sensationalized and for a strong emotional appeal, takes precedence over detailed characterization. Melodramas typically concentrate on dialogue that is often bombastic or excessively sentimental rather than action, whereas camp is a style or mode of personal or creative expression that is absurdly exaggerated and often fuses elements of high and popular culture. (laughs) I don't know if the movie quite fits either of those, but I think that I agree that there are elements of camp and they add to the melodramatic effect I think is more so what I think rather than I don't think this is a campy movie especially like the way camp is being used and misused now it's like camp is anything silly and this movie isn't silly but it's intentionally Mm -hmm. using kind of like oddness a lot of times it's odd I mean there's the opening scene with where Julianne Moore opens the fridge and she says I don't think we have enough hot dogs um, and then this weird, like, eerie <laughs> classical 
yeah. music in the background just it, it feels very uncomfortable yeah it's very it's start. supposed to make you a little uncomfortable and i also think it's supposed to show it's sure it might make you chuckle which is fine but it's i don't actually think it's not funny it shows that this is off like these people are mm. off something isn't right here <laughs> so i think i understand why people are like this is like a campy silly movie but it's a campy melodramatic serious dark yeah, movie yeah because camp doesn't fit the plot or the the no. style no yeah but that's very interesting that that you know sparked the whole conversation yes. on on camp and film yeah it was it was an interesting conversation i hope it continues um yeah so let's dive in to the last little section we're going to talk about these two movies together Putting them in conversation. So I matched these movies up, and I think it's clear why. Do, do you want to share, I don't know, a link you see between these movies? Um, hmm, let me think. Uh, I'm starting at the, al- the, the first letter of the alphabet. Um, how about age? Age, period. That can be the buzzword. <laughs> I think when it comes to age, there's a couple things here. The first is acting, and I think both Kaylee Spaney and Charles Melton do a great job of physically showing yes. age in the body. And, like, that's what, like, pops out to me. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the physicality was so clear. And in May-December, we're kind of seeing the after effects of this predatorial mm-hmm. relationship. But in Priscilla, we are getting to see that change over the years. And, I mean, they both did a great job with that. But their, phys- you know, their physical acting really helped push the stories along. Mm-hmm. It's it's powerful, and it's kind of, I don't know if it's opposite things, but with May December we have an adult man playing an adult man, yes. feeling like a child, and Priscilla we have an adult woman playing a little girl, which she does great. Um, but also. It gets to a point where this little girl isn't supposed to be a little girl anymore. So there's like mm-hmm. these complicated layers of different ages each of these people are playing and they do a really good job, I think, of distinguishing mm-hmm. all of that. What do you think about, you know, Elvis is really the predator? Mm. Well, not really is. He is. He is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he is a predator and he's a man. Yeah. And what do you think about the woman being the predator in in May, December. That is such a great question. I think that is what makes May, December so interesting and why, if you don't know, May, December is based off this real story of Mary Kay, I have her name. It starts with an L. Mary Letourneau. Kay Letourneau and Vili Fallow, um, which is, I tried to look up the correct pronunciation of his name and that was the closest one I could get. Um, but this is a real life thing that happened. Um, and it is disgusting and creepy. Um, but I think both gender and race play, I think, a lot in here. We have this, like, white woman, and in May-December, he's East Asian, but, um, he's Korean, I think, the character. He's half Korean, I believe. Um, and in real life, he's not. He's a, a different ethnicity, but he's, um, kind of like a darker skinned, Asian um, ethnicity and I think that we often don't think of white women or women at all as sexual predators um, I mean 
on the one hand, that's fair. Statistically, it's not <laughs> the same as, as just men in general. But on the other hand, this is, it, it harkens back to, you know, other stories. It harkens back to, like, the Emmett Tills, the type of stories where mm-hmm. these white men and women are using their power and getting away with, um, that privilege difference that even though you are a woman, you do have power over even men of color, um, which is interesting. Um, And I think the movie plays with that idea of, like, women and whether they do have more power. I mean, Gracie, you would think that her life is so hard. I mean, she sobs and, you know, she points out, you want to, you want, she wants you to feel bad for her. She's just this nice lady and she appears that way in every single minute of the movie, except for when you really see her. Um, and I think it puts into question, are all <laughs> women as innocent mm. in these power struggles? A- any thoughts since you brought up the question? It was a good question. I guess it, this is, I guess this kind of answers the question that I had when I was first watching this. Like, why now? Like, why mm. is this film important? And I still, you know, I still kind of stand by my, like, it wasn't necessary thing. But from your perspective of tying race and gender into this, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it is, you know, like, white women aren't this hot, like, holier-than-thou group of people that they can still cause harm. Mm -hmm. And often it is to people of color and men, including men of color. So I think... Thinking about it from that question of, well, why is this film important? Why now? That is a great answer, mm. you know, to it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> fresh, fresh. Similar to that, I think what I think links these movies is they are both based off true stories. Yes. Um, Priscilla is very different from this in that it is inspired by the autobiography, semi-autobiography, Elvis and Me. So Priscilla... Although she wasn't, like, super involved with the movie, she was. She has some artistic control. Yeah, she has artistic control. And the text and the stories are based off her memories and her ideas of it. Um, so, whereas May, December, interestingly, I don't know if you saw, but Villy, who it, Joe is based off of, um, has criticized the movie. He wasn't really? involved at all. He wasn't... No one talked to him. This movie just came out. And... Ultimately, it does in ways re-traumatize and bring his narrative back into the world. Mary Kay passed away of cancer. Um, and <laughs> sorry, I, I made a little move um, because she's evil. Um, but, you know, I think it's something interesting to talk about bringing these stories of real people while they're still alive, both Priscilla and Villy, and what does that do? Mm. There may be no answer. Well, I think that he definitely should have been. Well, I don't know if he needed any artistic, you know, control in that. Because he, I I did, after watching the movie, I did watch an interview with Mary Kay and, and Billy. Mm-hmm. And he seemed, you know, again, kind of like complicit and didn't seem uh, to see that anything was wrong. And, of course, this is how it's displayed to the public. So I can see why the filmmakers did not want to reach out to him. Yeah. And I also think, like, having 
you know, there's been a lot of talk of different biopics, you know, and having the people who are in them involved. And it often kind of, in some ways, diminishes the art. Mm. Um, but at the same time, it's his story. Now, they can argue, I think, like on a legal basis, it's not it's not it's not that story of Mary Kay and Billy. But it is <laughs> like it 100 percent is There's too many parallels, too many parallels. There's even like a chunk of dialogue that's used when they're in bed um, where Gracie is like doing this like sob story. It's like direct from an interview with Mary Kay. So you mm. can't disconnect these things. But at the same time, you know, it is trying to say something, I think, different. I think it's talking about the exploitative nature of creating these films but at the same time it's doing that to the real people which is it's complicated it's messy Mm -hmm. and it almost makes me feel icky like maybe i shouldn't have like i i think ultimately this billy's life is just you know i don't want any more hardship for him sorry someone waved (laughs) bella's very popular it's true it's true I'm friends with Charles Melton. You know, that's why I'm talking him <laughs> up. <laughs> We're besties. Right, you were an extra on Riverdale back in the day. Yes, yes, as everyone knows, as everyone knows. Well, yeah, that's another thing that I think ties these movies together. They got, if I'm not mistaken, zero Oscar noms. Snubbed. <laughs> like, no SAG awards. They they were doing promising. May, December was doing well at the start of the awards season. Priscilla has received nothing, no funding to get off the ground, and no awards. And I just think awards don't matter, but actually awards do matter. (laughs) Well, you know, if you're deciding between different movies to watch and they all look good, you're going to go with the one that's received the most awards. Yes, that is so. That's why it really does matter, because, like, people who will just read the paper, like, older people (laughs) read the paper. Yes, it sounds like some family members of mine. (laughs) Yeah, and then they'll make their movie decisions based off that. So it it is powerful. Um, And I feel sad. I hope these movies don't get, like, lost to Mm. time because they had no recognition. And these performances, because I think they were so good. Well, I think that this is one of the benefits of streaming. Mm. You know, and I think they did a pretty good job on Netflix of publicizing May, December, so hopefully it'll stay in the catalog. I don't know what their contract is. Yeah, who knows with streaming. But, like, hopefully it'll it'll still stay there. And Priscilla's coming to Max, right? Yeah, it will be coming on streaming soon, so I hope that will, like, revitalize. Yeah. And I also was hoping that Jacob Lordy being in it would, like, help because if we he... Didn't even, oh, oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. We didn't even really talk about Jacob, Jacob Lordy enough, yeah. But well, what do you think about... I mean, we have Charles Melton, the heartthrob, in May-December, well, and we have Jacob, Jacob Lordy. come on. <laughs> well, my first exposure to him was Saltburn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I really thought he was going to be a main character, but he's barely there in Saltburn, so yeah. I was so happy to see him as Elvis. Yeah, he, like, actually acted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's really good. He's and very good. And you know good. what's also really interesting to me? That, you know, he says that all he did to prepare for Elvis was eat, like, a bunch of bacon. <laughs> yeah. And then Austin Butler doing his portrayal of of Elvis, he, you know, method acting, like, yeah. he went into it. That he changed deep dive. his voice. I think that actually, controversially, Jacob Lordy does a better Elvis voice because it doesn't seem like he's trying to do an Elvis <laughs> voice. And he's also Australian, he's so like, Australian. to him. Yeah, he did a really good, he does good with accents. You know, the kissing booth, he does a great American <laughs> accent. Saltburn, he does a British accent, he does a good job. Um, he's 
very popular. If you if you're not aware of him, he's very popular with the girls right now. Mm-hmm. He's it boy of the month. He's it boy of the month. Um, so I'm hoping that once Priscilla comes on Max, people will watch. But yeah. he is not a heartthrob in Priscilla. No, like you. I didn't have. I didn't walk out of that movie like, wow, Jacob Elordi is so hot, and I have a crush on him. I was like, you're so evil. <laughs> that, that was my only thought about. It. Yeah. Whereas I did walk out of May December like Charles Melton, you're on the radar. Not sure. as Joe because no. it felt very <laughs> weird. And actually Netflix like posted like there's a part where he's shirtless and has like a dad bod. And it's like, "Oh, he's so hot." But I was like, "That is so weird because mm. he's he's a boy in a man's body." Exactly. It, and you feel that and it's just gross to sexualize him at all. But to sexualize the actor is totally fine. <laughs> That's, like, totally normal and good and fine. And he doesn't mind. See see his posts. Like, come on. Everyone needs a crush. Exactly. Speaking of crushes, this is the last little segment of this podcast. What movie are you crushing on right now? Mm. What are you obsessed with? What's permeating around your well, head? Well, Bella told me to be prepared with this yes. topic, and I've kind of been debating, do I acknowledge that I really like this movie or not? Oh, no. Um... But I saw this movie in theaters, okay. a special premiere. I'll give you a hint. I wore pink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you kind of guessing what it is? It just came out starring yeah. Renee Rapp. Okay. Uh, mean Girls, <laughs> the musical, the movie. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Why, why, do you, why are you crushing on it? Oh, goodness. Well, I mean, the songs are just so catchy. I love the Broadway version. And, you know... I love all the traction it's getting online, whether it's positive or negative. <laughs> I love that people are talking about it. Yeah. So, I yeah. Love that. I recommend the movie, but if you don't like musicals, like, definitely don't watch it. You know? I mean, it's not like, it's not like an opera. You know, there's no, a lot of talking. but there is singing. There is singing. To me, it's like the new version of a musical where mm. the singing is more interesting. Like, it still does drive the story. But it's not as much, you know, it's not a Hamilton. Yeah, because yeah. that would be a lot. I agree. I I really enjoyed the Mean Girls movie. I thought Slay. it was fun, and I thought it was funny. Um, and I'll probably watch it again. With me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say the movie that I'm crushing on, I've been watching a lot of movies because it's Valentine's Day, so I'm trying to watch 14 movies in 14 days. So I've been watching a movie every day. Um, so it's kind of hard. Sounds like a chore. It actually feels like a chore. I watched a terrible movie. I'm anti-crushing on Jenny's Wedding. Nobody watched that movie. It is about a lesbian wedding, but somehow it's homophobic. It is just (laughs) not a rom-com. It's terrible. I will have to go with Sleepless in Seattle. Mm. I've never watched it before. I've watched You've Got Mail, which is Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, and I liked it. But this... It was good, and I've been very inspired. I want to look exactly like Meg Ryan in Sleepless in Seattle. Um, I've been trying to do my hair like hers. Like, it, I'm I'm really into it. It's very sweet. It's very funny. It's also kind of sad, and I just thought it was a good movie. Sounds like your kind of movie. It's my kind of movie. So, with that said, everyone, go see May December. It's on Netflix. See Priscilla. It's coming out very soon on Max. Watch Sleepless in Seattle. I think I watched it on Tubi. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know where I watched it. And watch The Mean Girls movie. I don't think it's in theaters anymore. It is in theaters. Okay, it's still in theaters, and then I'm. it will be on Paramount. I think Paramount, yeah. Um, so see everything. Um, Susie, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Bella, for having me. I really, really appreciate it. This is a very special guest, everyone, and she will be coming back. 
Actually, I think maybe next week. Oh, no. <laughs> um, next Buckle week. Buckle up, folks. <laughs> yeah. What are we talking about? Oh, next week is Past Lives and All of Us Oh, strangers. my gosh. I will be back. Yeah. And these movies are very exciting. So With Christina, though, right? With Christina, so. with my friend Christina. So if you thought this was a good episode, that's good. And you'll think the next <laughs> one's really good, too. So with that, bye, everybody. Be safe. Bye. Ha- happy, happy day.